Hey, Heath. Hey, Raf. Morning. Good morning. How's it going? Really good, thanks. How about you? I'm pretty awesome, actually. Uh, our espresso machine is being serviced at the moment. And uh, so we're on to uh, filter coffee at the moment, which I'm really enjoying because you can have like nine cups of filter coffee for every one cup of espresso. <laughs> so it's, just, it's like it's like a all-you-can-eat sort of a bottomless cup scenario. So that's awesome. I'm on my like, I don't know, seventh, eighth, whatever <laughs> coffee. <laughs> um, Great. Yeah. All righty. So what are we talking about? Well, we've titled this episode, Why Do Clams? But really, I think, you know, we, we're talking off air and it's not really about the clams, but clams are really kind of like a poster child or an, a great example of what we want to talk about, which is the confusion between activating a muscle versus strengthening a muscle versus feeling the muscle working and sort of the, 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 a lot of muddiness in, I think, in a lot of people's minds between those concepts. And, and I think a lot of people also use the word, we use the word in Pilates strengthening a lot. And it's sort of one of those things that I think we say it a lot, but we actually probably don't use it correctly or we don't, we're not clear on what we mean by it, even though we might think we are. So yeah, that was kind of a muddy lead in, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so basically, uh, like, what are your, I mean, because you and I both teach the diploma and you teach a lot of the uh, workshops and review sessions within the diploma, which is where you're interacting a lot uh, live with students um, from around the world. And, you know, so we, you see that they're struggling with these concepts. So how does, how does that play out? Um, yeah, it's, it- I should be able to open my mouth and talk for hours on this because this one of the most common conversations that we have in various forms in the diploma is getting our head around what strengthening actually is, like what, what strength is and how you successfully do that with your client and why it's important and why would you do it and what does it mean for what we think of as Pilates. And, you know, within there is what we spend and a lot of the time in our review and workshop sessions clarifying and embedding into repertoire so what so what do you think the elephant is here if we i mean i don't think we've 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 pulled that term out in this podcast for a year or so but yeah what do you think the elephant in the room here is in this with regard to this concept i think well there's a couple and i think from the instructor's from the instruct for the instructor of the pilates instructor one of the elephants is that strengthening is not the same thing as sensation or strengthening is not the same thing as engagement. So that a, a muscle doing something is not the same thing as it getting stronger. And embedded in that is what does strength actually mean? Okay. So the, el- so the elephant in the room the or the, the misconception is that if I can feel a muscle working, therefore it's getting stronger or That's if a muscle is like double click on that. All right. Or if, or if a muscle's activating, therefore it's getting stronger. Right. But what, how do you know, and what do you mean by activating? Right. How do you well, know? What, right. Well, I think that's, you know, there, therein lies the, <laughs> the rub. Right. 
Um, But just to kind of be clear then, because I think that there's like, there's a symbiosis there for the instructor that becomes the thing, but then in the client world, it's the information they're getting is that their glutes don't work or their their cores needs to activate and they associate sensation with that. So I don't feel my Mm -hmm. glutes work and until Mm -hmm. I do, I'm not happy. So then the instructor gets into a, a loop with that going, I have to give you the sensation of your glute working mm, mm. for you to be happy. So it's become one of the deliverables of a Pilates class that people feel X, Y, or Z muscle working. Right. right. Which brings us back to the title, right, of why do clams? Right. Well, if you tell me that you need to feel your glutes work, whether I'm conscious of it or not, there's like a cultural shift towards things that make you feel the burn in that thing in that muscle mm. or that area mm. of your body, which becomes success because the client mm. is happy. All right. And I'm going to, I'm thinking uh, of the people who are listening to this now who maybe aren't in the fitness Pilates space. They're in a more so maybe contemporary style play, maybe start trained by Stop Pilates or Polestar or Bassy or, you know, et al., um, which is short for et alice, et in Latin means and, and alice means others or colleagues. So et al literally means like and and friends, you know, and others. Uh, and so uh, if we think of those people, and I used to be one of them, um, it's, you know, I put myself back like five years, 10, well, 10 years ago, I would have looked down my nose and go, oh, we don't do burning, you know, we're not, we're not you know, that sort of like, um, uh, gauche you know we're not that like you know we've got more class than that we don't go for the burn we uh you know we go for form and technique and precision and control and breath and concentration and flowing movement all those things but the burn is not one of the things we go for but i think in my mind back then i was still definitely thinking about muscle activation and so i was you know so okay so i i guess what i want to say is with all respect and love to you dear listener, uh, is if you're hearing, if you're listening to Heath going, oh, it's all about the burn, you're going, ha, 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 it's, I don't care about the burn, I'm, you know, into muscle activation, I think like, yeah, we're looking at you too, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, because how do you know, and again, I've been there, how, how do I know, how do I demonstrate to you that I am activating your muscle? Well, you feel it, and that's what right. I meant by the burn, right? So right. when the client feels the sensation of the muscle firing. Right. They are, they then understand that that muscle's working, and that's what I meant by right. burn. Like and said, and something yeah. like correct, you know, quote correct muscle activation has almost become synonymous with Pilates, you know, in many parts of the world, right? So, um, all right. So and you know, and in fact, there's an elephant there that somehow when you do Pilates, you'll correctly activate muscles more so than if you were doing running or right. By the nature of the movements, you're doing better muscle activation than other movement would Whatever facilitate. that means, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so so unless you never cue anything to do with muscles, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've got my hand high up in the air right now, you know, everything we're going to talk about I've done (laughs) hundreds of times. (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, 
we are we are not <laughs> we've walked we, this path yeah we are not exempt from uh these concepts um so all right so there's a confusion between strengthening and activation and feeling you know the the perception of the muscle the, you know the sensation of the muscle working so all right so and we talk about pilates in strengthening, sorry, we talk about strengthening a lot in Pilates. Like I think that, you know, if we, well, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but if we did a audit of all the Pilates websites in the world and all the Pilates Instagram pages in the world, I think the word strengthening would probably be one of the most common words that would, you know, that would come up. Uh, strength, length and activation. Right, right. And so, but I think that a lot of times people uh, are, unclear on what strength means. So can we just jam on that concept just for a minute and just get clear on what we mean by the term strength? So yeah, Pilates that's... makes you strong. What does that mean? Well, uh, yeah. So, well, within one of the things that I've found incredibly powerful for me in the last five years or so, and it's now explicitly central to the diploma that we teach is that rehabilitation is graded exercise to restore strength, range of motion and control. And what we, and that's the, the strength of the muscle is that its ability to move load from point A to point B or the, the strength in your movement. Is, and when we talk about that, we often illustrate it by saying that the purest expression of that, or not the purest, but a, a really good example of that is a deadlift because you're doing, a, you're lifting with two hands, both feet are on the ground. So you've got a really stable base to work from your knees, your hips and your shoulders are roughly in their mid range. So the muscles, you know, the, you're, you're at your most efficient to generate force to lift a thing. And then you would measure that by, how many can you do? And you want to find the weight that you can only do one of, but not two. And you'd call that repetitions max. And if you could only do one, but not two, then that's strength because you could only do one. It's the, the most, most weight you could move from point A to point B in a given movement. That's how we often try to explain it, which is difficult when you work in Pilates because you never do anything only once and and if you do it only once but can't do two and you try and do the second one it ain't going to be pretty and pilates is infused with your movement being i mean I, I still say this i still find myself in classes saying keep your movements as smooth as you can i don't know i don't even it just sort of comes out sometimes and i go what was that right and, th and so we're infused with this thing of controlled movement being the aspiration but it, like we say, to this, heavy's never pretty, right? So if you're actually working to fatigue, you're going to be shaky. And so then by definition, so I'm sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but these are the things that we talk about over and over again as Pilates instructors start to understand what strength is. So I think, yeah, like you say, fundamentally strength is the concept, is the the capacity to for a muscle to exert force. And, and the more force the that you can exert. It's not just a muscle to exert force, it's for your body to exert force. Um, so whether that's your arms, your legs, your back, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and so the more force you can exert, the stronger you are. The stronger so if you, you are. If, if you can pick up something that weighs a hundred pounds, um, if 
you do a bit of a workout, you know, a few weeks or months later, you could pick up something that weighs 110 pounds. Well, you got stronger. Um, and so the, I think also what you said there about the, you know, it's not a pure expression. There's no such thing really as a pure expression as strength because strength is specific. So when you say someone is very strong, like really that's only half a statement. It should be very strong at what? So you, someone could be able to, you know, deadlift three times their body weight, but can't do a push up. Um, I mean, that's probably a very unlikely example, but. Um, <laughs> you get the, the law of specificity, right? So what you right. train, you get better at. Right. Yeah. So you could be very strong at doing uh, overhead press with a barbell, but can't do a handstand. Um, you could be very strong at, uh, I don't know, uh, squatting, but. If you do a, uh, um, a pistol squat, that would be the example. Yeah, right. If yeah. you do a, if you do a workout with lunges or pistol squats, you might find that you get super sore afterwards, or um, you know have much less strength in that uh, movement. So strength is specific to the movement that you do, right? So someone can be strong at something, but like the just the general quality of strength, like I guess it has some meaning. Like someone who's got like twice as much muscle mass as someone else is going to be basically stronger in almost everything than that person. But not always. Like there are some people with a lot less muscle mass, like, you know, say a gymnast uh, would be much stronger in, say, uh, supporting their body weight in a handstand than a power lifter who has like four times as much muscle mass as that person. So, so strength is quite specific to the task that you're doing, but basically it is the ability to exert force and the more force you can exert in a given movement, the stronger you are. All right. So, I mean, and this, this is really. So, but also the important thing, so not the important thing, but an important thing that we find ourselves talking about a lot, again, with Pilates instructors, because that's who I spend my time talking about is the measurement of that. Right. So, you know, that, that. So it's the amount of force you can exert, yes, but how do you know you're exerting force effectively? Like, well, right. because you fail, right? And right. when do you fail? Right. right. So, and I, th all right. So this, so when we say the amount of force you can exert, we mean literally how much you can just say it's a, I don't know, a reformer exercise that you're doing, uh, and let's use and say you're doing a, like an arm exercise, and so you're doing maybe I don't know like the side arm work or something like that, um, and you put on half a spring, one spring, two springs, three springs, and then you get to a point you've got four springs on. You're doing side arm work, and you're like, and you can't actually move the bed at all, right? So that is beyond your strength then if you drop off a quarter spring drop off another quarter spring and, and eventually you get to a point where you, yes you can move the carriage out <laughs> but but after you do it once you're like holy crap i'm totally you know i'm totally cooked now i can't do another rep can't do another one you do it once that is your maximum that is your maximum ability to exert force and so that is a measure of strength like what is the maximum load against which you can successfully complete one repetition. So that would be your one repetition maximum or one RM. Mm. 
Right. And so do you do, is that what, if I come to Pilates class with you, is that what we do all day? Like just Yeah, so that's how I run my Pilates classes. This is 45 minutes of one rep max and then you take a three-minute <laughs> break and then you do it again. Strangely, it's just usually me and the studio. Right, yeah. That was, that was, there was irony in that, <laughs> yeah, folks. thick irony, right, because that doesn't work in a Pilates studio. Um, so, so, all right. So when we talk about strength, when we talk about increasing strength, like the agreed definition amongst exercise scientists and researchers, and if you look in the medical dictionaries, et cetera, is the ability to exert force against an external object. And if you can exert more force, you are stronger. And that is specific to which object are you exerting force on? So exerting force on a barbell in a deadlift is not the same skill as exerting force on a strap on a reformer. It is not the same skill as exerting force against the ground in a handstand. Um, so all of these things. So when you say someone got stronger, you need to say they got stronger at doing some particular thing. And so the test of strength is like, well, how strong someone is, is specific to how you test that strength, right? So someone can be strong at barbells, but not strong at reformer or vice versa. Uh, so, all right. So, strength is the ability to exert force against an external object. If you can exert more force, you are stronger. So, well, okay, great. That's nice. Now we can, you know, we can quote our dictionary definition of strength. But so, why, why, why should we care about that? And why is it important to be clear on that when we're thinking about activating muscles and? you know, feeling the muscle burn and all of that stuff. Like, why, where's the point of confusion? The point of confusion that we see is we, ex we explore what you just described. So we explore the definition of strength. And then, and again, it's just, I've, I've walked this path. The thought process is, okay, I don't think I'm doing that in my Pilates sessions. I don't think I'm doing that with my Pilates clients. I'm not seeing them come to that level of failure in any of the Pilates movements that I'm teaching. Am I not, am I somehow doing my clients a disservice? What's, and then, so the next question is what's the, what's so good about being strong? Who cares? Like why is being strong good? Now that we know what the definition is, I'm not really doing that with my clients, so maybe I'm not making them stronger, but they keep coming back. They feel good. They're having a good experience. Their life gets better for Pilates, but I'm not, I haven't changed the spring tension on their footwork in three years. I'm not making them stronger because now I understand the definition. Who cares about strength? Why would I change what I'm doing? What's the importance of strength? Okay, so I th all right, so I think that's that's a really. Uh, I just want to pull out something there that you just mentioned in passing, which is I haven't changed the springs in three years. Now, if you haven't changed the springs in three years, like if you're still doing footwork on the same springs or the hundred on the same springs or whatever that you were doing, you know, X number of days, weeks, months, or years ago, no, you haven't got stronger. And so when people say I got, I'm getting stronger, it's like, mm, no, the only way you can tell you got stronger is if you can now do footwork with more springs or the hundred with more springs that you couldn't do before. And so, you know, you know, obviously there's only a finite number of springs on a reformer. And so once you add all of the springs, there's not much further to go. You have to go to, you single, have to, go leg. to single legs. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but so basically the notion that, you know, you're getting stronger 
if you're not adding springs or somehow other some other way increasing the load, like you sometimes you can make the make it harder by actually taking springs off. So if you're doing I don't know a plank, you know mm-hmm. taking springs off actually increases stretch the load. on a half spring. Yeah, right. Um, but basically, if you're not increasing the load progressively over time, your clients are not getting stronger. Like I mean, if you start doing footwork on two springs or three springs or whatever, you will get stronger for a bit, right? But then pretty soon that won't be a challenge for you anymore and then you'll stop getting stronger. You'll hit a plateau and unless you increase the spring tension or some make it increase the load some other way, there you're not going to continue to get stronger. So so I think the notion, you know, I think we throw around the word, oh, I'm getting stronger and often we incorrectly, you know, say the word stronger when what we mean is I can now do the movement more smoothly or you know, I don't feel a burn when I do the movement anymore, or, you know, I don't get sore after class anymore or whatever. And so all of those things represent progress of a sort, but the sort of progress is not getting stronger. <laughs> it's it's building control or, um, you know, the repeated bout effect stops you from getting sore or, you know, there are various things that you're getting better at, but but strength is not not one of them. So getting stronger means you can add more load. That's if you can't add more load, you didn't get stronger. And if you didn't add more load, you probably didn't get stronger, but you don't know until you add more load and see if you can move it. Mm. All right. So, so, but, but so, so you've laid that out really clearly. And then so that the next thing that I was, that what I was trying to express is, and who cares? Right. Like, why, why, care? why should we give a shit? Yeah. Because my uh, Pilates and, is looking better. I'm feeling mm, better. Mm. I'm f- more flexible. I'm doing the thing without getting sore. Great. Awesome. Who cares about strength? Why should I give a shit? Well, I would say there's a really good uh, case for saying, yeah, don't give a shit. Just keep doing what you're doing, right? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Like, I'm with you. The, 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 I was looking at um, uh, research on, uh, on exercise during pregnancy the other day, and the average uh, pregnant no, sorry. Pregnant was a pregnant pregnancy we were looking at. Can't remember. It was, it was cancer or arthritis or something like that. Maybe it was cancer. Um, so, and anyway, because so, we're in the middle of our special population section right, in the course, right? So Raph's looking, we're checking up on the research on all of these special populations: pregnancy, right. arthritis, cancer. It's not conflating the three together as a thing, right? And so I've got about a bazillion research papers open on my desktop here, and I'm just kind of like you know, <laughs> sorting through them like some kind of mad scientist with piles of paper everywhere or it's, and it's all digital. So I'm sorry, I'm getting confused between the different conditions that I'm researching. <laughs> but basically, one of them, I think it was cancer, they've uh, 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 a meta-analysis or found uh, that um, the average woman with breast cancer exercises for an average of one minute per day, right, which is shocking. Right, because exercise is so beneficial for all people, and including people with breast cancer. Um, and it, you know, there's so many benefits to exercising, and so and so, and that really shocked me. <laughs> One minute per day—that's terrible. You know, these people really should be exercising. Um, and but even pe- people without breast cancer, you know, don't exercise. Like we've got an epidemic of sedentary living in our on our planet, and you know that's why if your clients come to class and just move. You know, whether or not they get stronger, right? The the difference between doing nothing 
and coming to class and doing something that is not perfect is like, it's so awesome that they're coming to class. It's so awesome that they're moving, you know, that's awesome, right? So much better that they just show up and do any something, anything, who cares what they do, just get moving. And okay, if, if strengthening, you know, if we actually get them a lot stronger, that probably enhances the, the, many of the benefits of exercise in terms of longevity, in terms of health, et cetera. But the vast majority of the benefit of exercise comes when you go from doing nothing to doing something. Right. So, so I think there's a really good case for saying like, who gives a fuck if they're getting stronger, right? They show up every week and they, they have fun and they participate and they move. Great. Everyone gets a gold star. Right. So if someone does, there's, yeah. So, and this, if your client or clients or customer base or your mum has been doing two or three reformer sessions with you for the, the last two or three years, and that you're hearing this stuff about strengthening and thinking, I'm not sure that I'm, you know, actually pushing this person. The, that the fact that they're coming and doing that movement, if they if it resonates with them, if they feel good for it, if they keep showing up, that's incredibly powerful. Like it's incredibly important to the to their life, to to function healthy function, exactly as you say, Raph. It's the difference between doing nothing and doing something that you love physically regularly is like that's the that's the success right that's the gold what we're talking about in this conversation is that the dimension the dimension of exercise that is strengthening is important for a number of reasons but that doesn't mean it's important if you're not doing it then what you're doing is useless or worthless right. or shouldn't or you should stop doing it right and i you touched on it briefly but that i think one of the things that it takes a long time and I, certainly me too a long time to kind of get is there are things that when you when you do successfully challenge a body in a strength dimension there are physiological things that happen that are really you you, they're unique to that challenge, and especially for some populations like the osteoporotic population, there, there is, you know, right. they are clinical. That's a clinical focus. You really need to work on that. But right. in the general population, if they love Pilates and they hate weights, just keep doing the freaking Pilates, man. Like, don't stop. All right. So, you know, mo most of the benefit of benefits of exercise accrue when you go from doing nothing to doing something, right? And and even if what you do isn't like optimized to mac you know to maximize your strength, your flexibility, all of the things, right? If you just come come along to class and muddle through, <laughs> right, you're getting the vast majority of the benefit that it's possible to get. But uh for the general public, uh there are there are like reasonably significant additional benefits in terms of longevity, in terms of disease prevention, in terms of, you know, a bunch of other parameters, bone health, et cetera, that accrue when you actually strengthen, like progressively in increase load. And for, for most clinical populations, so whether it's osteoporosis or post-surgical or, you know, a whole bunch of, whole range of situations, strengthening 
is like inherently part of the treatment because if you have surgery or whatever, strengthening is actually part of the 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 cure, I guess, for what what ails that person. So so there there is a, the whole range of cases where strengthening is really indicated, like osteoporosis and post surgery, and then there for the general public, like people who aren't particularly injured but they just come along for the health and well-being benefits. Strengthening, I wouldn't say is mandatory. You know, like if you just come along and have fun and move, that's awesome. But it's, but I think there are definitely additional benefits that happen when you, when you get stronger and for instructors and for clients, it's actually not any more difficult or any more trouble to get stronger than to not get stronger, right? If you're there for the 50 minutes or the hour or whatever you're there for, well, you might as well get stronger. Like it's not more work. In fact, in a lot of cases, it's less work to get stronger than it is to not get stronger. So it's like, all right, well, if you could have it for free, if you could, if you get, if you get stronger for less than what you're currently paying, you know, <laughs> why wouldn't you do it? And and when I say what you're currently paying, I mean, what you're currently paying in effort and complexity of exercises and programming and choreography and, and, and like uh, physical discomfort and all of, basically all of the all of the things that are hard <laughs> about about teaching and doing Pilates, uh, you know, most of those things are less hard when you program for strength. Would you agree? I need you to. So, for the instructor that's listening, what put? Let's put that into a specific scenario. So, like in in your class. Well, all right. So, I guess what I, I guess what, uh, I want it. Well, I want to. I want to. I don't want to spend too long on this now because I want to get back to your what you uh, said before about activation and yeah, feeling yeah, it not yeah. being the, you know synonymous with strengthening. But I guess what I, I'm thinking is like, well, to program for strength, once you know how to do it, it's really simple, right? It's not more effort than programming not for strength, right? It's just, it's, it's just ticking a different box on a sheet of paper. And then you get a different result. It's, it's not a hard. It's not more complicated. It's not harder. Yeah. So I think to to, to that one of the things. I, so in the physical activity guidelines, which let's not go too far into that rabbit hole. But we, maybe there's probably a whole other conversation there because it's one that we talk about a lot to clarify. But it says that you know for the healthy to to re, the, the, the guidelines recommend 150 minutes of moderate cardio, which means you're very slightly out of you're slightly out of breath per week and two to three strength training sessions per week. And we double click on what we mean by strength training sessions per week. So, so it doesn't say that that's what the guidelines say, right? That's not you and me. That's not breathe. That's, that's, that's what the, basically the whole this world. Is like science. the world health organization, physical activity guidelines or the American college of sports medicine, physical activity guidelines for healthy adults or the Australian physical activity guidelines, the nice guidelines, national institutes of care excellence in the UK. So basically, you know, any peak, body uh that recommends you know health and fitness guidelines this is what they recommend is 150 minutes of moderate uh intensity cardio 150 to 300 actually where you're slightly out of breath and two to three resistance training sessions and normally they also recommend two or three flexibility slash balance training sessions as well right and when we double click on what we mean by strength it's most major muscle groups go to near fatigue right am i summarizing that yeah it's all major muscle groups to a point near of near fatigue, yeah. Okay, so all major all major muscle groups to near fatigue, and so this is I'm saying this to illustrate what 
you're saying. So that means once you get that, it's actually very easy to make sure you've done that in a Pilates session right? for your client. Right. So when, I mean, many of you, I'm going to guess and say most of you listening to this, when you did your Pilates training, one of the things that you probably learned was move the spine in all directions, right? Work the front, the back and the sides, do forward bending, backward bending, side bending and twisting. Well, that's just the same concept is basically you want to work all of the muscles, right? The front muscles, the back muscles, you know, et cetera. <laughs> um, and so it's not a qualitative, it's not a qualitatively different thing. It's just a quantitatively different thing. It's just like how much load are we applying to those areas? So yes, you want to do forward bending, backward bending, side bending, twisting. And of course, you've got to do the arms and the legs as well as part of that. Um, but it's not really a different thing. It's just a, It's just about the intensity really. And how you spot it. So, you know, because remember, if, you, so if you're looking around the room at your clients and you're wondering, am I giving these people all major muscle groups to near fatigue, aka strengthening, how do I know? Well, what does it look like when you're near fatigue? It doesn't look smooth, controlled, and you're breathing in and you're breathing. In. It's like it's getting shaky and a bit wobbly and you really want it to stop. Well, that starts to be what you look for in your group. Every now and again, I want everyone to look shaky and wobbly and they want it to stop. That's getting me there. I want to, I want to slightly disagree on that want it to stop thing. Cause I think, uh, that is, that is probably neither necessary nor sufficient for strengthening. So like, just say we're doing, uh, so basically, the, like, in order to strengthen, right, there are many things that happen inside the body. I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. I can't remember if we have or haven't. But basically, the the main stimulus that your that 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 uh, catalyzes your body to start the process of becoming stronger, the physiological sort of cascade of, of events that result in you getting stronger. The thing that triggers that, that precipitates that, is high levels of tension on individual muscle fibers, right? And so you need high levels of mechanical tension on muscle fibers. Now, how do you, you know, how do you get high levels of tension on on muscle fibers? Well, you can either move a load that is so heavy that you can't do more than like five reps, or you can move a load that you can do more than five reps and you do it so many times that you basically can't do it anymore. You know, you get within one or two reps of when you can't, you physically can't do it anymore, which is not the same thing as when you want to stop because it's hurting, right? So I can be, we can be doing clams, right? And, you know, I'm up to like, you know, my, you know, 987th rep, okay? My bum is on fire, okay? But am I going to get stronger from that? No, probably not. You know, I'm wanting to stop. I'm like, for fuck's sake, Heath, you know, would you stop, you know, talking to that beginner on the other side of the room and adjusting their fucking strap position by a millimeter? You know, I've, we're up to rep 987 here. You promised we only had three to go about 100 reps ago, you know. So I definitely wanted to stop. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, but I might not be going. you could keep going if you had to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So then, all right, let's, let's, let's reframe that. So if you're the instructor and you're wanting to build strengthening into your program, what Raf was saying about it being, what you were saying, sorry, about it being easy, easier than you might think is 
you apply load to the movement so that the client in front of you struggles to complete the repetitions and they and how do you know that well they they're probably looking shaky and having to stop having to stop not because it hurts but because they physically can't move the load like they're like can I do it, Captain? I didn't have right. the power. But it doesn't. But like, just to go back to the physical activity guidelines that say near fatigue, they are. They don't have to absolutely fail. So, and I guess the the thing Correct. that I wanted to just like so the, a, a great example that it comes to mind for me that happens in my classes all the time. I only teach three exercises, and one of them is push ups off the foot bar. Isn't and the other two are cat stretch. And the other two are cat stretch. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, when I do push ups off the foot bar. I do them and I I ask the clients to do the push-up as deep as they can and still be able to get out of the push-up and often get the question from clients, this like when I do this, if I try and go deep and my elbows flare or my this or my that, and I'm like, that's fine. Like I just want you as deep as you can to apply more load to the muscles through the range of movement and if you fail, that's great. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, because you just got stronger. Right? Like if you had to stop, because you couldn't do the next one, that's okay. And sometimes they're like, "But that breaks the flow," and I, you know, and I can't do as many as that person. I say it really doesn't matter. Like it, this is you and your body, and you, and I yeah, want to get you stronger. Who cares if you can't do as many as that person? Right. And and we'll move on, and there'll be other stuff that we'll do thirty five thousand reps of, and it'll feel more like you know we'll do layers and flows, and it'll move from here to that. And it'll feel more like Pilates, but in this moment we're strengthening. Hmm. So this is not something you're doing constantly throughout the entire session. No, they wouldn't come back. And it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be right. enjoyable. And you'd lose right. all of those other dimensions that bring people back. Right. So this, you might have a few peaks of intensity in your, in your, within your session. Literally. That's how I think of it, peaks. Yeah. Every now and again, yeah. it's going to peak. That's going to happen. And then we'll go off into another space. Right. And that peak is where the person yeah, – and I think push-ups are a great example because many uh, of us have had the experience of not being able to do you know, the next push-up – uh, that's what you're going for is that experience of like, oh, I can't do it. And if, oh, and if you, if you reverse engineer that, like, so if you, uh, video yourself, you know, dear listener, uh, on your phone to doing pushups, right? So whether it's kneeling pushups, full pushups, whatever, do them until you literally can't do another one, right? So whether you only do three or 17 or 29, what well, doesn't matter how many you do, but do it until you can't do another one. Okay. And then review the, f- now when I say can't do another one, I mean, physically cannot do it. Right. And then review the footage of the film. And what you'll see is like maybe two or three reps before that you start to significantly slow down. Right. So whether you're doing like five reps or 20 reps or 50 reps, it doesn't matter. The first few are fast. Okay. And then as you know, you get to a certain point, you might do the first 45 reps fast. Right. But then 46 is like, you start to slow down. 47, you're getting really slow. 48, it's like, oh, will they make it? Will they make it? Yes, they made it. And then 49 is like, and so the, the, you can tell when you're getting in close proximity to muscular fatigue or failure, where you basically, it's the point where you first notice that you're starting to slow down and it's not on purpose. (laughs) You're trying not to slow down, but you just can't help it. You go slower because of muscle fibers of fatigue. So at that point, basically where you reach that point where the first 
you as you're watching your clients, okay, if they're doing their push-ups or their lunges or their whatever, it's that point where they start to slow down and it's like, you know, that it's just like an old dog getting out of a bean bag or something. It's like <laughs> and they're moving through molasses. <laughs> That's the point you're going for. And and if you watch them do another three reps, you would see them fail to get out of the bean bag. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going for. And actually getting to the point of failure actually doesn't give better outcomes than stopping two or three reps short of failure. Uh, it just gives you more fatigue, but not more strength. So, all right. So strength, strength is the ability to exert force on an external object. If you can exert more force, you can, you got stronger and the external object could be a spring, could be a bar, could be your body weight, could be another person, could be a big rock on the ground, doesn't matter. Uh, but the strength is specific to the way that you test it. So the ability to pick up a rock is not the same thing as the ability to do a handstand is not the same thing as the ability to pick up a barbell. Uh, and so One, st- one's not better than the other. And right. that broadly speaking across the evidence, the guidelines take or take, Take the muscles to fatigue. So just use whatever tools, right? It's whatever all good. exercises, it's all good. Just get to fatigue. Near, right. Yeah, near fatigue. Right. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know you got stronger when you can exert more force on that in that same test, whether that's a push-up or a barbell deadlift or a footwork or lifting up a rock off the ground or doing a handstand, whatever. When you, when you can do more load in the same test, you know you got stronger. Uh, and in order to get stronger, what you need to do is you need to have the you need to have the muscles get to a point where you start to visibly slow down, you know, which is two or three reps short of where you physically can't do another one. And you need to have that you need to achieve that uh, at least once a week. Uh, and the more times you do it per week, the quicker you're going to get stronger. For beginners, even just once a week, for the first few weeks, you'll notice that you'll get stronger. Uh, as you get more, as you get stronger, you need to do more volume in order to continue getting stronger. So, you know, one getting to doing one set of push-ups a week as a beginner, you'll get stronger. But then after a few weeks, you'll stop getting stronger because there's not enough of a stimulus anymore. You need to do two sets or three sets or four sets or five sets. By the time you've been training for a couple of years, you probably need to do 10 or 15 sets a week per movement in order to continue getting stronger. And by the time you're an elite, you know, strength athlete, <laughs> probably doing like 40 sets a week <laughs> in order to get like a quarter of a percent stronger in a year. So th- there's a, you know, there's a situation of diminishing returns. And it's, so it's not the case that everyone just keeps getting infinitely stronger forever. But in order for people to reach kind of their their kind of, you know, potential within whatever their goals are, Right, whether that's a strength athlete or just a regular person, you basically need to gradually increase the number of times per week that they hit that point of near fatigue. Is that is that how you run your classes, or you know, is it, it do we do we think that's even necessary? Like, how how far do you need to take this? What happens for the? I think we're at a fork in the road in the conversation here. This we're headed down into a really interesting point there about i mean a lot of pilates businesses and therefore or yeah and therefore the 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 income and livelihood of the instructor relies on 
return clients and often for years at a time. And what you've just described is that if you're opti- if you're working to continue to build strength, you have to over time increase the number of sets that you do that are taking you to that strengthening point. So stepping through that, you, you lo- like if, whatever the movement we think about within Pilates, let's say it's long stretch. As you get stronger at long stretch, you add load. So you start on your knees on one and a half springs and build up to straight legs and build up to full springs or whatever. Somewhere in what you just talked through is, does that client then end up just doing long stretch sets for 45 minutes because they've been coming for three years and in order to keep getting stronger, they have to do 10 sets of seven reps of long stretch on full springs which I hope I'm illustrating sounds absurd. Like that if, if that's how we're going to get stronger, um, continue to get stronger, and we've established that that's important, would that be the scenario? Would we end up with a class full of people who are just doing long stretch for 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and at what point does that become absurd? And you accept that we're kind of—are we going to let the strength plateau and maintain it? Is, it, is that making sense? Like, a, yeah, yeah. You- well, I think that um, you know, the, if if people are, have just for health-related goals, right? If people don't have like sports-specific goals where they want to be able to, you know, do some kind of heroic kind of sporting, you know, feats of strength. Um, for health related goals the 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 research is relatively clear that if you're uh you know if once you achieve um you know once you're doing kind of like an hour a week of uh you know resistance training any more doesn't add further benefit in terms of health goals now an hour a week sounds like oh, not much that's only one pilates class but bear in mind 80% of the Pilates class is not strength training, right? Because you're not actually going anywhere near fatigue, right? When you're doing cat stretch, not strength training, okay? Clamps. Um, clamps, not strength training. Um, <laughs> feet in straps, not strength training. Unless it's your very first day and you've been sedentary for three decades and, you know, all of a sudden you're doing legs in straps. Okay, that's strength training for a little bit. And then after a few weeks, as you as you t- learn to tolerate that load, you get stronger, it becomes not strength training anymore. So strength training is the the parts of the class where you're actually bringing muscle groups to near fatigue. So it's the push-ups that you did. It's the pistol squats that you did. It's the one-legged footwork on all springs that you did. It's the snake. It's the the twist. It's the control, uh, control front. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the long stretch on zero springs. It's the, you know, so those are the intensity peaks in the class, those are the strength training moments, right? So if you string together an hour's worth of those during the week, right? Not an hour of momentary fatigue, but it's like, okay, think of like the set of push-ups that you did. How long did that take? Well, that might've taken a minute, 30 seconds, whatever. Okay. And then maybe a bit of a, like a three or three minute break before you can do that again. Right. So like you can do like, you know, 20 exercises maybe, you know, in a week that involve getting near fatigue. And beyond that, there's no additional real health benefits. There's no longevity benefits. You know, you, you can get stronger beyond that, 
getting stronger and stronger and stronger, like being like an elite powerlifter isn't healthier than just being a reasonably fit average person, <laughs> you know. It, but you can you know, tear phone books with your bare hands, but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't you're not you're not necessarily happier or healthier or more disease free <laughs> for the ability to do that. That there's gold in there and uh when so uh, we, uh, so what are we doing as Pilates instructors? Like what, why do we, so everyone, what we're facilitating other human beings to exercise. And why would we do that? Well, because exercise helps you to live a healthier, happier, longer, longer. life. Yeah, longer life, right? So healthier, happier, and longer, and that's what Joseph espoused too—that it, it was to, to do his inverted commas his exercises would make you more vital, live longer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which we've is all learned true. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I we've talked about this before. He didn't have evidence, but he happened across a lot of things that are now supported by evidence, and mm. a bunch of things that are not so well supported by evidence. Um. It was Pilates instructors. Don't brush anyone. <laughs> so yep. yeah, and and so the vast majority of those benefits, or I'd say the 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 biggest portion of those benefits, come from going from doing nothing nothing to doing something anything doesn't matter what you do right. So come along to Pilates class, put two springs on for footwork. Don't do it in perfect form, you know, whatever. Like you still get the vast majority of the benefits. So anything is better than nothing. Whatever you're currently doing, I guarantee it 100% is better than doing nothing. And so if that's all you want to do, great. You still win, right? But if, you've, if you're coming along and like, okay, well, I don't want to spend more and more hours doing this every week, but I wouldn't mind getting more benefit for the same amount of hours, Okay. Well, then if you actually progressively enhance strength, well, you do get more benefit in terms of longevity, in terms of disease prevention, in terms of a lot of other health outcomes by progressively enhancing strength up to a point, you know, and that point is roughly, you know, an hour a week, you know, aggregate of strengthening, which is, let's say it's like, you know, if you did two or three Pilates sessions where you, you know, brought all major muscle groups to fatigue like once or twice during the session, that's probably, there's your hour, right? If, you know, and and the rest of those sessions is not, you know, technically strengthening because you're more like stretching or working on control or proprioception or all those other things, which are valuable as well, but are not strengthening. And they're all good. Like that's yeah. not, yeah, so it's not baby in the bathwater, right? As you get your mm. head around the idea it's of strengthening. It's not either or. It's not an it's an and thing, not an all thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, when we get to exercises uh, like snake, twist, teaser, on the long box, um, you know, a bunch of others, it is the case that we are strengthening and improving control or slash mobility or all of the above. Okay. So it does, it certainly doesn't have to be an either or thing. You can integrate all of these things within a single exercise sometimes. And then other times when we're doing something maybe like long stretch, that is more, if you load it correctly, is more of a strengthening exercise. There's not a lot of flexibility or control required, you know, to do that reasonably well. Um, 
And then there are other exercises where you could work on flexibility, like maybe say a front split, um, that if you did it like, you know, as per Joseph's, uh, instructions, like, you know, freestanding with your hands behind your head and did it on a light spring, that would be flexibility and strength and control. Whereas if you did it, say, with your hands on the foot bar on a medium spring, it would be like flexibility, but not a lot of strength and not a lot of control. So you could, you could, you know, you can absolutely, you know, adjust the relative, you know, mix of strength, flexibility, and control, you know, within each exercise, most of the time, depending on the exercise. Um, and it's certainly not, it's certainly not mutually exclusive that you work on one. It doesn't preclude you working on the other one, either within the same session or literally within the same exercise. But I, I think a lot of the time, this is my impression, um, that, and this is my impression these days comes a lot from what I see on social media. And I talk to instructors, I, I haven't done a Pilates class, like gone and paid and taken a class for ages, but because I basically never leave my house. <laughs> um, but my impression is that I think we are biased a, a little too much towards the control aspect in Pilates these days. And there's a lot of emphasis on like making things harder by adding more BOSUs, bands, balls, you know, layers, complexity, coordinate, you know, barbell in uh, dumbbell in one hand, flex band in the other hand, strap around the leg, sitting on a long box balanced on a BOSU with a fitness circle between the ankles. Like, you know, so we're making it harder by increasing the complexity and the control challenge. And I think there's a lot of that and that's all good, but I think it often these days is at the expense of not enough time spent actually increasing the strength challenge, um, which is uh, where for most people, most of the health benefits come from the strength aspect, not the control or flexibility aspect. Because while control and flexibility are really beneficial, particularly as we age and for people recovering from injury, being more flexible or having better coordination doesn't correlate with greater longevity, you know, greater physical health, fewer diseases, or, you know, most of those other health benefits that accrue from exercise accrue from the strengthening component of exercise not from the control or the flexibility. So, all right, so let's get back to the start where we talked about, you know, the confusion between strengthening and activation and, you know, feeling the burn, right? And we've done a whole episode in the past on feeling the burn, but let's let's go there. <laughs> so, so if I'm doing my clams, right, and I'm feeling like a searing... White you know, hot fire, pain. white hot, yeah. yeah. Someone stabbed me in, me in the piriformis muscle with a white hot poker, okay, in the middle of my butt. It's like, why is that not strengthening? All right. Well, what, what the other question is, could that be strengthening? So if you're mm. the Pilates instructor who's listening to this thinking, well, I do clams and I've been doing clams lying on the um, side, I'm side lying on the reformer bed. I've got my forearm against the shoulder pad. I've got a strap around my thigh. So I've added load and I'm doing clams. Yeah. Why can't it be strengthening? It can. It can. Add that strap on the thigh, whack on about five springs, bam, strengthening. And go until you can't do another one or when you slow down, it becomes a strengthening exercise. Right. right. So it's not the exercise, it's the load. It's, it's not a, it's not a qual qualitatively different thing. It's a quantitatively different thing. 
So it's not a different thing. It's just how intense you do it. It's how much load you put on that movement. So there's not an exercise that is not a strengthening exercise. It's it's like how much load is in the exercise. You know, is picking up rock, does picking up rocks make you stronger? Well, it depends how big the rock is. You know, <laughs> does clam, do clams make you stronger? Well, it depends how much load's in the clam. Great. Sorted. So <laughs> job done. No, but surely if I feel my muscles burning, isn't that the same thing as bringing them to near fatigue? Is Yeah, that's the next question. So if I do the clams and I've got that white hot searing pain in my bum, is that strengthening? And the answer, dear listener, is no, it ain't. And so what is it? It's called a buildup of free hydrogen ions inside your muscle uh, as a byproduct of uh uh, anaerobic glycolysis, which is a form of liberating energy within the muscle that we use for uh, endurance exercise, which results in free hydrogen ions, which are acidic, which basically means you literally have acid inside your muscle that is burning your muscle, <laughs> and uh, that activates your pain system. And you go, fuck, that hurts, because it does. It truly does hurt. And But that is not the same thing as applying high levels of mechanical tension to individual muscle fibers, which is the primary stimulus for strength gains, having free hydrogen ions roaming around in your muscle is not the same thing as that. Now, sometimes they go together, but they're not the same thing. Um, and so, you know, having that that feeling of burning in your muscles is something that happens as a result of anaerobic glycolysis, which is the energy system that we use in our muscles when we do the exercise that lasts more than like a minute or so, or even more than 30 seconds. Um, so it's basically an endurance form of energy production that we use, you know. Um, so you only get the burn when you're doing high reps, low load, right? That you, If you go and pick up something like if you did think of push-ups right whatever version of push-ups you can't do more than 10 right so whether that's kneeling push-ups whether it's full push-ups whether it's full push-ups with only one arm okay whether it's handstand push-ups handstand one arm push-ups you know full push-ups with you know your spouse sitting on your shoulders yeah you know, whatever version of push-ups where you can't do more than 10 right do that okay no burn you eight, nine, you're going slower. Uh, just made nine, 10, uh, can't get all the way up. Okay. You get to the point of failure where you literally can't. It doesn't matter if I held a gun to your head, if I gave you a million dollars, if, you know, whatever, if a genie would grant you three wishes, you can't do another one. So when you get to that point and you, can't, and you haven't done 10 yet, no burn because you've used a different energy system. You've used your short term. Uh, phosphate, uh, phosphocreatine system, which doesn't produce free hydrogen ions as a byproduct. So hence no acidity in your muscle, hence no burn, but you have applied high levels of mechanical tension to individual muscle fibers. So hence stimulus for strengthening. Now, if you don't have to do less than 10 to get stronger, you can do 12, 14, 16, 20, and still get stronger, right? But the sensation of burning produced by free hydrogen ions is not the same thing as high levels of mechanical tension on individual muscle fibers <laughs> produced by getting to, to proximity to failure. They're just not the same thing, right? So you can have burning in your muscles with or without being anywhere near failure, 
And so you can have burning in your muscles with or without a stimulus to get stronger. Okay. There's a couple of things in there I think we should double click on. One, uh, the one that in most recent, the one, the most recent one was just then. So <clears throat> if I'm a Pilates instructor who is taking a client to the burn, not even not, whether I intend that or not, if, mm-hmm. is there a benefit for the, are they getting something, are they getting better at something? So when I've got the burn and I push through it for a bit and I come out and I'm whacking my butt after those clams of just, you know, and I've been going for let's say 60 to 90 seconds of the various movements of the various layers of the clam, but fundamentally I'm doing clams, my butt's burning, I put up with it, I get to the end, I'm like, oh, God, I need it, and I rub my bum and it's all of that. We all know that from Pilates. Did I just get better at something? Yeah, the body's amazing. You adapt to whatever you do. Yep, and right. is there I a mean, benefit it, it, to getting better at that? Is there well, a health benefit to being good at clams for two minutes? Uh, well, uh, as opposed to lying on the sofa and eating Cheetos, fuck yes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So, so there is a health benefit to doing literally any form of movement as opposed to doing no form of movement, right? So if if your form of movement is doing clams until your butt burns and you'd have to punch yourself in the butt, like that's fucking awesome. Go you, keep going, right? It's great. If that's what you love, if that's what you think like, I can't wait to get to Pilates to do that, and that's what motivates you, don't change it. Keep doing it, right? But if you're if you're in Pilates going, all right, I've been coming to Pilates for a while or I've been teaching Pilates for a while, I've got clients who've been coming for a while and I want them to continue to progress and get stronger and get more health benefits from Pilates, okay? Well, probably doing clams until your butt burns is not the best, most effective way of achieving that. All right. And then the other thing I wanted to go to is we've just spent a good portion of time establishing the importance and the value to the human of strengthening exercise, that it's not the movement so much as the load. So you can do your strengthening basically anywhere as long as you can apply load and you get to that degree of challenge to near fatigue. Then we talked about, you know, the burn and I think that was great the way you described what's actually happening when you get the burn versus what's happening in the sub 10 rep effort. There's another thing which I think clams becomes a representative of. Maybe this is more in a clinical space and so the question that i'm i'm asking as the instructor is well i'm not separate to doing clams for 90 seconds there's something else there's feeling a muscle or muscle group working when i do a movement versus Mm -hmm. not feeling them work so i'm doing lunges i can't do 15 let's say so i'm roughly in a strength training dimension sometimes when i'm in a particular setup form i feel my glutes work more than in another setup or form is one of them more valuable you know does does my glutes firing mean i'm doing a better lunge there are so many levels of uh, untrue assumptions behind underneath that (laughs) question (laughs) um yeah yeah so uh you know well what is a better lunge you know Defined, you know, how do you define a better lunge? <laughs> um, how, how do you know just because you can feel or not feel your glutes working? Do that, how do you know that correlates with them working or not? 
how do you even like why is it important that you're glued to working in a lunch? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. like all of these assumptions is like um are they true? So um when you you know it's weird we get back to this idea of um of of you know good and bad muscles that we've talked about previously on the podcast. It's like okay, yes, we want the glutes to work in a lunge, but for some reason, you know, a lot of time we don't want the quads to you know, we don't want to feel the quads. <laughs> it's like, well, why? What's wrong with the quads? <laughs> They're an important muscle. Can't straighten your knee without them. Can't run without them. Can't stand up out of a chair without them. They're really important. Um, so they are meant to work in a lunch. Um, so, uh, and what about a, the adductors? The adductor magnus becomes a major hip extensor when you're sort of beyond sort of 90 degrees of, of hip flexion. So the adductor magnus, adductor is the most powerful hip extensor at the bottom of a deep lunge or squat. So, uh, and then it's like, well, right, so there are lots of muscles that lift you out of a lunge or squat, okay? The quads, the adductors, um, and the glutes. So well, before, before, before we go into – I didn't mean to take us into a, the, the world of the glute as such, but I was, try, I was just using that because right. the topic was Good. clams. Thanks for pulling me back on topic. You know, Good. Clams, why do clams? So what mm-hmm. I'm trying to – what I want it, to it, – when I do a movement – and I feel a muscle engaging mm-hmm. versus when I do a movement and I don't feel the muscle engaging. I'm, I'm not even sure my question, but I know. Well, I think the question a, is, do I need to feel a muscle engaging for it to be beneficial? For it to be working, yeah, right. for it to be beneficial. And the answer is no, right? The answer, the answer, is, answer is definitely not, yeah. So, but then let's come back to for the Pilates instructor who's listening to this, whether it's from what you've been told is important, hopefully we're starting to dismantle that at least for the time being, but also there is a reality where you've got a client who says, I want to feel my glutes or I want to feel my, I want to feel my quads. I want to feel my quads work when I do my lunge, right? So let's Mm -hmm. forget the the good muscle, bad muscle conversation. Mm -hmm. Do that's just a customer fundamentally that becomes just a customer service thing right it's not that actually there is a good muscle to fight feel it's just if the client wants to feel it a certain way you can set the bones up so that you're biasing to them i'm i don't i'm just trying to tease out this conversation because i know it's out there all right so all right so just to back up half a step and thanks for pulling me back on topic so the you know the you know again the primary stimulus for increased strength is high levels of mechanical tension on individual muscle fibers, which is not the same thing as the perception that the muscle is working, right? Feeling your muscle working and having high levels of mechanical tension on individual muscle fibers are not the same thing. You know, one is feeling, the other one is mechanical tension, right? It's possible to have one without the other or the other without one. You can feel your muscle working like in clams when it's burning when you don't have high levels of mechanical tension on individual muscle fibers, right? And then you can have very high levels on, of tension on individual muscle fibers without any particular sensation. Like when you do a, and dear listener, if you uh, have done, say, uh, push-ups to failure, or even, I don't know, maybe push-ups aren't the best example. If you've ever done a heavy barbell squat, okay, like when you do like a, a 2RM or a 1RM squat, okay, I'd, I'd, I'd squat like 100 and whatever kilos 
and I don't feel my glutes work. I'm never conscious of my glutes working in a deep squat, but I know they're working. Why? Because they get bigger, <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> I can't help it. So like having high levels of tension on the muscle and, and feeling it are not the same thing. Now they can happen together. I can happen separately. Not, it's just, they're just a different thing, right? And so it's not necessary for people to feel it in order for it to work right? It works with or without them feeling it. doesn't matter if they feel it. So then, like you say, it becomes a customer service thing. And then it becomes of like, oh, they want to feel it in, you know, oh, should I be feeling this in my XYZ muscle? Or how do, you know, I want to feel this more in my XYZ muscle. And so I guess as a Pilates instructor, I would have like basically two ways, you know, two ways to approach that. One would be like, okay, how can I just re-engineer the way that they're doing this movement a little bit so that they maybe feel it more where they want to feel it. And that shows them that I know what I'm doing, right? Oh, I'll just move your hip one millimeter to the left. Oh, all of a sudden I feel it in my blah, blah, blah muscle. That's great. You must know what you're doing. Great. Did I make the exercise more effective? No, not really. But now do they have quote evidence unquote that the exercise is more effective? Yeah. <laughs> they know it's working now, even though it was working fine before. Um, so that's one thing is you, you can, you can adjust it and that's a, the subject for a whole nother conversation of like a, how do you adjust it to so they feel it in here or there or the, the other place but the other thing is i think often when people say oh should i be feeling this in my abs butt hips whatever you know where should i be feeling this etc why am i feeling this in my blah 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 what they mean is am i doing it right right am i doing it right am i going to get the benefit um and so i think often we can we can satisfy that you know, the the sort of fundamental premise of that question without saying, oh, you should be feeling this in your abs, butt, back, hips, quads, whatever. We can say, hey, you're doing this right if, and then just give them some kind of form cue, right? So you're doing lunges right, okay? You're doing lunges right if your hip is getting below your knee and your back leg is straight. Bam. Look at you. Just drop your hip down another three inches. Now you're doing it perfectly right. Where do you feel it? Oh, I feel it in my butt. Great. I feel it in my quads. Oh, great. I feel it in my adductors. Oh, great. I just feel it everywhere. Great. Feel it in the back leg as a stretch. Great. <laughs> you know, you know you're doing it right if. So those are my two approaches. How do you approach it? I uh, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I, I, I the the way that I've found my way that I've solved for that, what you've described as you're doing it right, if, is I've looked for, and in a lot of cases been successful, and in plenty of cases I'm still working on it, instructions that don't even, that just move completely away from right, wrong, whatever. It's just the the aim of this is to, as much as possible, um, reach your toes towards the ceiling. Like the higher your foot goes to the ceiling in this shoulder bridge on a single leg, the more successful you are. And if I just insist on that, you're eventually going to straighten the leg, which might mean that would address your form concerns if you think you're supposed to have straight leg, whatever. It would also make your, you know, hip extensors on the driving leg work we make the spinal extensors work, we make the shoulder retractors work, you know. It, so things that ask you to try as much as you can to 
reach in a certain direction that the trickle-down effects is more and more muscles are going to contribute and you're not thinking about your sensation at all. That's where I've take, tried to take my instructions and if people say, I'm feeling it here, I can then say, as long as you're trying to do what I asked, whatever you're feeling is great. And I'm comfortable saying that now after years of practice. And I think one of the things that I've learned uh, that I'd went through and that we've talked to, and I know I talk about with instructors that I work with is what happens when someone says, Oh, I feel it here when I want to feel it there. Or it's a, wherever, wherever you're feeling it right now is where you need to feel it right now. Like just, just don't worry too much about how you're feeling it. Just keep trying to do the thing I've asked you to do. If you need to stop, you can stop. Yeah, I, I think that what a much more uh, nuanced and uh, uh, richer way of um, communicating that than than what I articulated. So well done, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I I I agree uh, with what you said there about. I I don't think that it's our job as Pilates instructors to kind of be an a la carte uh, service for where the client wants to feel it. Oh, I want to feel this in my ex. Oh, great. Well, I'll solve that for you. That's like when I don't think it's our job to produce sensations in people's bodies. <laughs> I think I, I think it's our job to help people get stronger, more flexible and better control over their bodies <laughs> and to live longer, happier and healthier lives. Um, but I don't think uh, it's our job to help people feel a particular sensation in a particular part of their body. I just don't think that's part of our job. I don't think it's, phys- I don't think it's humanly possible. I don't think there's any particular benefit, benefit to, to it. it. Yeah. It's, if you can just, do it, what are you achieving? Yeah. 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 It's like, and, and it's like the client's asking for that, but it's like, well, the client doesn't really know why that's important or anything. It's like, if you go to the mechanic and say, I want you to fix my alternator and the mechanic looks at your car and goes, look, well, it's not your alternator. It's, you know, your alternator is working fine. Yeah. But yeah. fix it anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that, I think that's kind of the equivalent. Um, and so I, th- I think, you know, with love and respect, uh, we can explain to our clients or we can deflect like you suggested, like, okay, the goal here is to try and reach towards the ceiling or to stretch as far as you can or to try and do as many as you can or to lift your hips as high as you can or to push out as far as you can or whatever. And as long as you're doing that, wherever you're feeling it is the right place. And that's the beauty of the method is it will get you wherever you need it. And we're all different. And so we're all going to need it in a slightly different place. Uh, and wherever you're feeling it is exactly where you need to feel it. Well said, hmm. Heath. <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing what you said. A ago. <laughs> right. um, so I reckon that was that was that was uh, a good uh, you know place to wrap up. Um, but we've basic basically said that um, uh, anything is better than nothing. You know when it comes to movement, and if you're not strengthening, that's fine. <laughs> You're still awesome. If your clients are showing up, they're getting the you know a lot of the benefits. But that if you want the next level, strengthening is strength is the ability to exert force on an external object. When you can exert more force on that same object, you got stronger. So if you can add springs or take springs off or you know whatever it might be, um, do full push-ups instead of kneeling push-ups, etc. Uh, and the only way to do that is to keep progressively adding load over time. And you need to get people to a point of near fatigue, which is where they start to visibly slow down in the movement, not where it starts to burn because burning and high levels of mechanical tension are not the same thing. 
uh, and it's high levels of mechanical tension on individual muscle fibers that are the stimulus for strength gains. And that you really don't need to spend your whole class, you know, smashing people when pistol squats and one-armed push-ups uh, or, you know, long stretch on zero springs. Um, you can just have a few selected peaks of intensity in the class where we work up to doing something like that. And the rest of the time is on all those beautiful cat stretchy, mermaidy, you know, etc. <laughs> feed in strappy things. Uh, and you can even throw in some clams if people desperately need evidence that their bum's working. But the irony is, or the secret, uh, dear listener, is that even though that person might walk out of your class going, oh, those clams are great. They get me there every time. It's actually the lunges <laughs> that <laughs> strengthen their butt, <laughs> not the clams. <laughs> Um, but maybe they couldn't feel their butt in the lunges and they could feel their butt in the clams, so they think, oh, great, I've got what I paid for. So um, that is an example of giving people what they want in order to give them what they need. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, yeah, did we did, did I did I miss anything there? Is there anything you want to add to that wrap-up? No, I think you summarised that well. Good talk. Thanks, Raph. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.